all founding teachers, past, present, future, Dai Osho. Let true Dharma continue, Sangha relations become complete. Please sit comfortably. Sangha relations become complete. Those words end our first sutra dedication, translated into English from the Japanese by Robert Aitken Roshi. Sangha relations become complete. What is that about? I'd like to thank our teacher, Ross Bolita Roshi, for inviting me to talk tonight. A little literal translation of Sangha is crowd and host. And we also know it to mean the Buddhist community. We know it too as one of the three treasures, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. As I understand it, its first meaning in Buddhism was the group of practitioners who followed the Buddha, the priesthood. They took up vows, left their homes and followed their teacher on the path. They ate the same food and wore the same They wore discarded rags of clothing, so they looked the same. They were easily recognisable as a group, a community. There was, I imagine, a great deal of joy and fun, and also resentments and competitiveness and cliques and jealousies. But that was a long time ago in a different place, a different time. How does that relate to us? This Sangha here of the Zen group of WA, made of women and men, has been around since 1983. Some people here have known each other for 20 years or more. This group of people who come together at various times, on Thursday nights, on Saturdays our Zenkais, at Zen intensives, at sessions. We come together, we wear black, we do lots of sitting, we go to Doksan and see the teacher. We chant and eat and rest together while we're together and then afterwards we go back home. I think our Sangha today and the way we practice is like what Stephen Batchelor calls the secular Sangha in After Buddhism. <clears throat> a secular Sangha is a community of like-minded, self-reliant individuals united by friendship, who work to mutually support each other in their own flourishing. Such a community is an ongoing practice. It requires commitment and action. As a living community, where all members regard themselves as works in progress, it is an unfinished project. He goes on to quote Martin Buber, makes a useful distinction here between a community and a collective, whereas members of a collective surrender their autonomy to achieve a common goal, the members of a community create a network of friendships that support and celebrate the individuation of each member within the context of a shared set of values. So I wonder, how big is the Sangha? What are its limits? Who does it include? 
what does it not include? Uh, on Monday afternoon after work, I, I get the train home from Fremantle train station and I sat down on the platform, closed my eyes for a minute because uh, letting the thoughts of work gradually recede. Gradually turning my thoughts back to Sangha relations become complete again. So I wanted to try and do some work on it on the train ride home. Uh, a man sat down on the bench next to me and as he sat, he said aloud, but I think he was talking to himself, well, it's okay, you can bend the rules a bit. <laughs> so I looked at him and, and nodded. And to be honest, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I, I felt a little on edge because he, he, he looked, uh, he was dressed fairly rarely, even for my standards, uh, fairly roughly, even for my standards. Uh, his hair was a bit wild, his eyes a little wild too. Um, but when I looked at him, he smiled and offered a cigarette. You smoke, mate? No, thanks. Cheers, I said. Cheers, big ears, he said to me, laughing. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> and as he lit up his cigarette, I laughed and nodded and watched him take a drawer on the cigarette. Very quickly, a transport officer appeared beside him to remind him that there's no smoking allowed in the station. <clears throat> and he immediately stood up and shuffled off outside to finish his smoke. So is he part of my sangha, the sangha? What about the officer enforcing the rules, moving him on? Is it my sangha at all? What does it mean to be part of the sangha? And then uh, what about relations in sangha relations? Interaction, relationship, friendship, communication, sharing, honesty, trust. In relation with, to relate, to interact. I think we relate whether or not we know it, consciously or not. I've got several training stories, so... <laughs> um, so, another thing riding on the train is I've kind of accidentally discovered it's a, it's a really rich place to experience relating because you're sort of forced into relating, forced into acknowledging people around you, whether you want to or not. Actually, people try very hard not to see each other, it seems to me, on the train, face down, looking at their phone, not looking up, not looking around. And I do that sometimes too. And sometimes I sit and close my eyes and rest and doze and just listen. But sometimes the train fills up and there's no seats left and people are pushed against each other. And then it's hard to deny the people that are all around you. Hard to deny the bag pressing into your back or the heat from bodies packed in tightly and the hands from all angles clinging to the pole for support. One morning I sat next to a woman who was very preoccupied with her phone and seemed quite anxious and upset. 
every every time she looked at her phone, she let out this great <sighs> sigh, and I thought um, I thought something must be up, but I guess it's not my business. After a while, the sighing kept kept on going, and it seemed like it was getting worse. and And I got this idea in my head that she was maybe starting to hyperventilate. <laughs> um, and so I thought, someone has to do something. Um, and it was loud enough, I thought, everybody in the train carriage must be able to hear. So surely someone will at least ask her. But no one seemed ready to, so I turned to her and asked, are you all right? Oh, yes, she said, looking somewhat surprised and not saying anything more, she just turned away. So I don't know if she thought I was being rude or intruding. Uh, maybe she was just surprised and unaware that she'd been sighing out loud. I don't know if I helped or not, um, but she stopped sighing. We can relate knowingly in face-to-face -face communication, consciously focusing on that one person letting other thoughts drop, putting aside for a moment that task you have to do, knowing there is time to delay for a few moments just to talk, just to listen. You might say, how are you? And I'd try and answer as best I can, which might not be too well sometimes. Or I ask, how are you? And do my best to actually really listen as you respond. Relate in speech or relate to each other in silence. When we sit together in a group facing the wall, not even seeing each other directly, we relate in ways invisible and perhaps unknowable. But sitting with others is different to sitting by ourselves. And then we stand up, we walk together, there is the person in front of you and the person in front of them. Or returning from the toilet or from Doksan, there we all are. There they all are, sitting in our places, holding to their place, letting go in our places. Following the metaphor of travelling the path together and hopefully not taking it too far, I'd like to imagine we take different positions at different times. Sometimes we can help someone who's hurt or tired. Sometimes we're the one who is hurt and needs the help. Sometimes we can be in the middle of the pack where it's noisiest and everyone is joking loudly and laughing. Sometimes we fall back to where it's quiet or where we can keep an eye on everyone else. And sometimes perhaps we're full of enthusiasm and energy and rush out in front to peek at what's coming over the next rise. I think that might be tiring though. <laughs> <clears throat> I think we're all human, so it's safe to say sometimes we get grumpy, we get tired, we get scared, we get proud. Sometimes we have to forgive others, sometimes we ask for forgiveness, we rub each other up the wrong way, we get jealous or envious, we compare ourselves to others and like what we see, or we compare ourselves to others and don't like what we see. 
Sometimes we're in pain. Sometimes we're in joy. We're human. We're people. We do our best. We make plenty of mistakes. Just like the Tanto says in the session cautions, do your best and feel free to make mistakes. No one is judging you. Those are some of my most favourite words from the cautions, um, possibly because I was a good Catholic boy or or a bad one. I really learned how to be ashamed. (laughs) I could do shame like the best of them. Well, maybe not that well. Uh, (laughs) But I, I really did feel like I was being judged. No one is judging you. Can that really be true? And yet, even with no one is judging you, we make mistakes and do harm or feel harm done to us. And we still need a place and a way to confess, to repent, to reconcile. All the evil karma ever created by me since of old on account of my beginningless greed, hatred and ignorance, born of my conduct, speech and thought, I now confess openly and fully. And it's not always easy to come and sit together. For many reasons it's not always easy. But familiar faces make it easier. We come again, at least in part, because of those familiar faces. I've heard them described as virtuous companions on the way. Or Dharma brother, Dharma sister. Which I think is what we can be for each other united by friendship. Once Chung Tzu dreamt he was a butterfly flitting and fluttering around, happy with himself and doing as he pleased. He didn't know he was Chung Tzu. Suddenly he woke up and there he was, solid and unmistakably Chung Tzu. But he didn't know if he was Chung Tzu who had dreamt he was a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming he was Chung Tzu. Between Chung Tzu and a butterfly there must be some distinction. This is called the transformation of things. This is... Chung Tzu's old story. Robert Aitken Roshi in A Zen Wave in the chapter Dreams retells that story and tells us that centuries after Chung Tzu had that dream, Basho took that story and turned it into a gift for his friend, a haiku. You are the butterfly and I the dreaming heart of Chung Tzu. 
Robert Aitken then tells his own story about friendship and his teacher, Soen Nakagawa Roshi. Many years ago at Koko An, Soen Roshi asked me, what do you think is most important in the whole world? As usual, I could not answer. And he said, I suppose friends are most important in the whole world. We were old friends and I was deeply moved. It is in friendship that the universe reflects itself. So that brings us completely to complete. Sangha relations become complete. How can relations become complete? Does that mean that relations which, with each other are perfect? That we all here as people come to know and trust and respect each other equally and perfectly? Perfect cordiality, perfect banners, perfect friendliness? <clears throat> I don't think it means that. I don't think that's even possible. We as individuals keep changing and the faces themselves change. People come and go. Life keeps moving. It reminds me of the Talking Heads lyric, heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. And meanwhile, here we are, things keep happening. Greed, hatred and ignorance keep arising. I'm going to have to keep on apologising when I make a mess of things. Far away in the heavenly abode of the great god Indra, there is a powerful net which has been hung by some cunning artificer in such a manner that it stretches, stretches out infinitely in all directions. In accordance with the extravagant tastes of deities, the artificer has hung a single glittering jewel in each eye of the net. And since the net itself is infinite in dimension, the jewels are infinite in number. There hang the jewels, glittering like stars in the first magnitude, a wonderful sight to behold. If we now arbitrarily select one of these jewels for inspection and look closely at it, we will discover that in its polished surface there are reflected all the other jewels in the net, infinite in number. Not only that, but each of the jewels reflected in this one jewel is also reflecting all the other jewels. So there is an infinite reflecting process occurring. That is Francis H. Cook's image of the net of Indra, an illustration of interdependence origination or Pratitya Samudpada, which the Shambhala Dictionary of Buddhism and Zen defines as the doctrine that all psychological and physical phenomena constituting individual existence are interdependent and mutually condition each other. <clears throat> In 
Each jewel reflects each other jewel. Each individual jewel has its own colour, its own cut, its own shape. Yet each reflects all the others. There is no jewel for which this is not true. It is such a beautiful image. Can it really be true? Am I a jewel that reflects all the others? Am I a jewel like that? Returning again to Robert Aitken in that same chapter, Dreams, in a Zen Wave, he tells a story of taking ceremonial tea together with Soan Nakagawa Roshi and G. Ray Jordan. G. Ray Jordan. Tea ceremony is a solemn affair. No one speaks while the powdered tea is dipped out of the container, placed in the bowl and mixed with the hot water. But it is play nonetheless. All our sangha work is serious investment in the Dharma, but it is play. Bowing to the Buddha, I throw everything away. Offering incense and flowers, I take great care. Sitting on my cushions, I discipline myself just to sit or to count my breaths or to take up mu. It is important that we take our practice and our sangha relations in this dynamic spirit. When things become grim in a discussion of Zendo business, then it is time to go into meeting, as the Quakers say. They do this by sitting silently together in a spirit of devotion. Sometimes they hold hands. Thus the universe becomes transparent and all points reflect all other points. In that dream, Sangha relations become complete. At Zazenkai's and Seshin, we eat our meals together. The cooks have made the food, they've called the servers, clap, clap, clap. If our bellies haven't started growling before then, then they start now. The servers have put everything out, made everything ready, prepared the bowls and the spoons. And then they call the jiki to come. Bang, 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 bang. Ding. Here we come. We stand around in a circle and take each other's hands. We venerate the three treasures and are thankful for this food, the work of many hands and the sharing of other forms of life. In that moment too, Sangha relations become complete. Jewels reflecting each other. Standing together in the meal queue, taking our bowls and spoons, serving food carefully, deliberately. And there I stood, not looking forward to eating, not even enjoying the smells, but rigid with anxiety. What if I spill the soup and make a mess? What if I take too much? What if I don't take enough? Everyone is so quiet and full of care and quick. 
What if I'm clumsy? What if I'm slow and hold the others up? And then, splat, bang. (laughs) Of course, I made a clang. I dropped soup on the tablecloth. And what happened? The people in the line kept moving. The person next to me kept spooning out soup. The person in front kept buttering their bread. The little mistake was eaten up, swallowed up, absorbed by those people next to me. And experiencing that helped me out. Then one day I found myself standing next to someone in the line even more nervous than me. I could feel their anxiety in their posture and in their movements. And when they made a little clatter of spoons and jerked a little in chagrin, I saw how that moment too was immediately absorbed up, eaten up. I saw what that fear looked like from the other side and felt that the other side of that exchange. And seeing that helped me out too. In my little cat sangha at home, I have our five cats live together and practice being cats together. <laughs> and they practice being cats with humans together. The newest to join the cat people sangha community is Scobby, uh, who we was previously known as Robin. When he first came to us, he had been living rough for an uncertain time. His fur was in poor shape. He was in some pain from several injuries that had needed attention. And his anxiety levels were high from living a furtive life on the streets. All this combined to mean he was very tense and actually rigid through his body. And this showed it in the way he sat and the way he slept and in the way he couldn't bend himself in half like most cats can. The vet fixed up his injuries and his anxiety has slowly lessened living in a safe place indoors and staying with us when, where we do our best for him. Our other cats at first were deeply suspicious and then resentful of his addition to the household. Suddenly we were lavishing our attention on him rather than them. He also smelt quite pungently when he first arrived because he had not been dissexed and his hormones were running rife and because he wasn't washing very well. They had to learn to accept and to trust him and he them. He, I think, was fascinated and attracted to them right from the start. It was part of the reason why he came to our house. By demonstration, they have taught him how to keep his fur very soft and clean and how to wash properly all over so that now he can be seen on couch or bed, bent over in half, licking his belly in a way he simply could not do before. He's been sleeping on the bed with our other cats, Bugsy and Mimsy. And we can pick him up now, even, for a little while, without him assuming it's some sort of attack. At mealtimes, he sometimes becomes exuberant to the point of excess and likes to bodily bump up against Bugsy 
I love the boy cat. Bugsy puts up with this mostly and lowers his head to let Scobby lick him on the forehead. <clears throat> Bugsy and his brother Floydy used to do this ritual too. Bugsy lowering his head and Floydy licking him on the forehead. Though Bugsy never licked back. And so too Scobby is licked so too Scobby licks but is not licked back. At least not yet that we've seen. Bugsy is willing to receive the adoration, but that's as far as the deal goes. But for all the times of harmony, Scobby still has trouble when other cats get our attention. His jealousy still runs strong. If Bugsy or Porridge are getting a cuddle on the couch or on the bed, and especially if we're talking to them at the same time, or if it's an especially good cuddle, he cannot retrain himself, restrain himself and edges closer and closer, his eyes black, glaring silently. If we don't quickly intervene with an arm or a leg, he edges into poor reach and baps them on the head to drive them away. We're all a work in progress. Jack Cornfield in A Path with Heart, in the chapter Spiritual Maturity, tells this little story. In the Amazon jungle, there are 900 different species of wasps, each of which pollinates a different shape and species of fig tree. These fig trees are the main source of nutrition for all the smaller mammals of the rainforest. And these smaller mammals, in turn, provide the basis of life for jaguars, monkeys, peccaries, and others. Each species of wasp keeps a chain of other animals alive. In the same way, every individual in the world has a unique contribution. Fulfilling spiritual life can never come through imitation. It must shine through our particular gifts and capacities as a man or a woman on this earth. This is the pearl of great price. In honouring our own unique destiny, we allow our most precious, our most personal life to become an expression of the Buddha in a new form. At the Sidon country in Kings Park, Michael Wright has spoken about reciprocity. And the way I understand him is that it goes both ways. Perhaps that, is what is, perhaps that is what is meant by complete. To see the reciprocity. That we are not just giving or just receiving. That the relations go in both directions. Go both ways. That we are both a jewel reflecting all others as well as a jewel to be reflected. That the jewels we reflect, reflect even without us seeing or knowing it without our conscious awareness. The bees, the ants, the motorcycles, the screeching black cockatoos in the trees, the humming fridge, 
the bougainvillea through the window moving in the breeze. Thank you for listening. <laughs>